1: So 225 of 20 Minute Tim's flagship podcast. And with
0: me this week is Melly. Yes. And Stephen. That's right, glad to be here on this fine Monday night. Another, another fine week for the old tech.
1: Another tremendous week for Celtic. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to. We're bringing... Um,
0: but- Big Tick Energy tonight, James. Oh, well, I
1: like it. The beat, this is the podcast with BTE Big Tick Energy. Um, first of all, we need to do a bit of housekeeping. That, of course, means I need to plug the Patreon. The Patreon is a subscription service where you can support your favourite Celtic podcast, this one, in exchange for extra content. And just to give you an idea of what we do on Celtic match days, this is how the Celtic match day shapes up on 20 Minute Tim's Patreon. 24 hours before the game, Ryan Brown gives us his opposition and focus article. Then 45 minutes before kickoff, me, Stephen, and melee are live and in Technicolor. The cameras get switched on and we bring you the build up to the game. That's exclusive video content only to 20 minute Tim's Patreon. Then immediately after the match, we take to the microphones to produce the raw emotional reaction podcast immediately after the game. And even before big games like coming up against Riga this week, we have those opposition teams scouted. So you have in-depth knowledge of what Celtic are coming up against. And that is what your match day experience looks like on 20-Minute Tim's Patreon. As well as that, we've got loads of Celtic fantastic features and documentary podcast series, Ask Us Anything. There's loads of terrific content out there. Check it out, patreon.com slash 20-Minute Tim's, and all the details are there. Stephen.
0: Crucially, Jimmy, you have missed out the, the best part of the preview show, the live preview show that we do on on Patreon before the game. Nary a Chris Boyd or Andy Walker to be seen. No. Nowhere on. near it Do you find a Chris Boyd and an Andy Walker It's just us What's the, the slogan We've been Hitting out with recently Bin, bin Boyd, Boyd And, and get the with boys. the boys yeah. Aye, <laughs> That's
1: what you need to do You need to bin Boyd And back the boys That's us Look, there's a lot of football to discuss, as we mentioned at the, at the top of the show. But you know, there's been quite a lot of news and rumours, i we've not had like a wee sort of a wee gossip session about Celtic in the longest right. time. It's all been very uniform and all that. And I noted with interest this week, guys, that Chris Commons once again has been in the news, Oof. being honestly super positive about Celtic.
0: Oh, is he there just saying stuff? Is he? Is he just out just, just, just saying stuff?
1: It's honestly, I don't know what gimmick Chris Sutton uh, uh, Chris Sutton uh, Chris Commons rather is going for but it's it's like a relentless wall of negativity every time that guy's in the press talking about Celtic and he's at it once again yeah. but he's made a complete have you seen what I'm talking about? Yeah about early newsy. about early news he's made a complete tit of himself once again so w- I think the point of the, this is how Chris Chris Commons columns work right? Some journalists columns work. that's great yeah, yeah Chris Commons. he's missing a, a marketing opportunity there this is how it works. This, I'm guaranteed this is how it works. Some arsehole journalist somewhere who doesn't like Celtic, right, writes a really thought-provoking, telling-it-how-it-is article and emails it to Chris Commons and goes, hey, Chris, in this piece, what I've said is that the Celtic fans are pricks and Neil <laughs> Lennon is blah, blah, blah. Do you want it? And Chris Commons will just email back, okay, and then it goes out into the press and then Chris Commons gets his five grand check or whatever he gets. So this week, he said Celtic fans only criticise Greg Taylor because they pine for Tierney and they think that, you know, we should be giving Greg Taylor a wee, a wee break. Stop being so harsh on Greg Taylor. Now, we
0: three are, at this point, expert Celtic podcasters at least. <laughs> yes, Not correct, experts yes. on Celtic, but expert <laughs> Celtic podcasters. And that do we can you turn think, mics on and record our voices, yes. Yeah, and, and put lit- it out to the world, correct, literally yes. experts at
1: that. Literally anyone could do this, right? But we've been doing it for a long time. Stephen, you first. Does Greg Taylor get a hard time off the Celtic fans? An undue hard time?
0: Uh, n- no, I, I don't think so. We've, we've been, we, Everyone was screaming for Greg Taylor to get into the team when Bowling Goalie was having his woes back last season. We, we saw about 26, 27, 28 games in a row of Bowling Goalie. Everyone, including on this podcast, was that like, I want Greg Taylor to get a run. We want, him, we want him to make him in. Even if he plays badly for a few games, we want at least a chance at him. Now, the problem is we've now reached maybe not as many games as Bolling Goalie, but we've now got a, a fairly good sample size of of Greg Taylor now t- in which we can make our, our mind about what kind of player he is. The Tierney thing, I don't buy in the slightest. I, th- I think that's complete garbage from Commons. I could no. maybe believe it. <laughs> well, I could maybe <laughs> believe it if I was like, say if I was like 13 and I mm. grew up with Kieran Tierney being the left back and I was gutted about it and he was, he'd moved on and I just couldn't get over it. But that's not the case. Kieran Tierney's been gone quite a long time now and I don't really compare it. That's like saying we give uh, Carlton Cole uh, a hard time because we can't go over John Hartson. It's a total bollocks. Like, the two things barely connect. Everybody's well over the Kieran Tierney thing. M- maybe not the team, maybe we're, we're still desperately trying to uh, improve him from a from a performance and tactical perspective but I don't think any fan is is watching Greg Taylor thinking, oh, if only we was Kieran Tierney. No. Well, he's, he's playing really well, he's been brilliant but... I don't like him because he's not Kieran Tierney. That's just that's just juvenile from Commons. But we'll see it when we come at the games, Melly, But I mean, it's starting to look for me like Greg Taylor is st- as
1: Celtic improve the team and as the Celtic team gradually albeit get better. Greg Taylor for me is starting to look like the outlier, the one who's not as good as the rest of the team.
2: Yeah, you're definitely right there. We just oh, look at <laughs> First and last time of the night. The, we look at the team and you just see that glaring left hand side. We need somebody in. Greg Taylor's playing sort of out of necessity right now because there's literally no one else that can play there if, unless you put James Forrest out there. But we've seen that doesn't really work. The team's very lopsided. Commons is just he is just saying stuff. Celtic fans Don't compare him to Kieran Tierney, I feel. I think we just look to the other side of the pitch and see Frimpong or Elhamid. Good, competent players who give you 7 out of 10, but can also give you 8 or 9 some weeks, especially Frimpong. He's really pushing on this season, the games in the past week. Whereas Taylor, you maybe get a 6 or a 7, then it's back down to a 5, up to a 7. He's just... He's not consistent and he's not good enough either. have Stephen said, that him and Bowen Goy played the same amount of league games in there. And at times last season, Johnny Hayes was keeping them out of the team. And Johnny oh, Hayes a wasn't a very that, yeah. good footballer. So we need to improve there. We can't go into this season with just one guy who is Greg Taylor. Because he's not. I don't think he's good enough. He's fine. But fine's not good enough
1: for me. I think the main issue with Greg Taylor, as far as I see it, and as far as I'm sure most Celtic fans see it, is that he, doesnae, he doesn't go beyond. He can't, his delivery's not great, albeit he's no. got four assists this season. He's not got a trick to beat a man, he's not got a burst of pace to beat a man. And especially and Chris, in this formation, aye, yeah. especially in this he formation, on the wing backs. and Chris Commons' defense, I suppose, of Greg Taylor, he actually tried to also say that, you know, Celtic fans should be pointing the finger at Mo Elianussi because it's Mo Elianussi's performances that haven't been good enough. And Chris Commons went on to say, Mo Elianussi excelled last season playing as a winger, cutting in from the left. You can afford to do that when you've got a full-back bombing past you on the overlap. So it, it seems to me in his defence of Mo Elianussi, what he's actually done is criticise Celtic's full-back on the same side as Mo Elianussi, which <laughs> which good, is Greg it? Taylor. So what he's done here is he's went, Mo Elianussi was good when Greg Taylor's good but more Algenussi's now because Greg Taylor can't do the overlap, which, to be fair to Commons, is correct.
0: I'm struggling to fully make I'm the connection. I'm talking about the though.
1: mechanics of the position here. I'm not talking right, about his right, opinion okay. on either player. Yeah.
0: I'm struggling to fully make the connection, though, between you know Greg Taylor not playing well and have being the same. They, they can, since they switched to 3-5-2, they've barely been on the same pitch together. Elginusi doesn't really fit into that as far as it goes at the moment. He's, and he hasn't been in such good form as the forced Celtic to make allowances to get him back into the team. Right, I accept that. I, I'm not saying he's wrong about el performances. I don't think he's been good enough either, Reykjavik aside. But I'm struggling to make the, the jump between how, you know, don't focus on Greg Taylor, who is playing every single week, and, as Mela said, giving us a 5, a 4, a 7 occasionally, and el who isn't playing. Th- those two things, <laughs> to me, they're not mutually exclusive. Both of those things can exist at the same time. el hasn't been good enough, but I don't really see how we should take away from a player who is playing and who we can judge on his performance to judge someone who isn't playing there. I am kind of struggling it, with that one. It's because it doesn't make
1: sense. And it's just yeah. one of these opinions that Chris Coleman gets paid for. And uh, what I want to know is why it always has to be relentlessly negative with him. And I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to he's trying to be he's he's try, this is how bad it is. He's trying to be Chris Boyd, but failing. You know how oh, Chris wow. Boyd. Wow You know what how Chris a Boyd always I know Chris Boyd will come out and make some sort of controversial statement and and, and, you know, to to be fair to Chris Boyd, and this is one thing you'll know here in this podcast ever again, he quite often achieves it. You know, Chris Boyd's goal is to come out, make a statement that gets everyone talking about Chris Boyd that weekend. Mm, and yeah. more often than not, he achieves it. Chris Commons is trying the same thing and
0: failing. And it's cringeworthy to watch. It is cringeworthy. Chris Boyd without the without the commitment, without the conviction in his in his opinions, right? Chris Commons is probably one of the
2: guys that'll go, Celtic should play 3-5-2. It worked so well last season. And then when we go three five two, and Elie Yunusi doesn't really fit into that right now. Well, Elie Yunusi not getting a game, is he? Good enough? What, what is it, Chris? What
1: is it? It's, it's just a, it's just one of these rent-a-gub comments, and it's yeah. bizarre to me how many how many ex-Celtic fans, and the med- ex-Celtic players rather than the media, are so quick to be critical about the team. I mean, even Neil Lennon, his pal, is the manager. So yeah. you'd think that would compel him to be somewhat positive or even realistic. But obviously, it's it's no enough for bold Chris.
0: <laughs> the thing is, I'm not, I'm not like particularly sensitive about these things. I don't if there was a guy out there just being relentless and negative, but had some, some rhyme or reason to it, to to make me actually listen to what he said, I'm fine with that. If if a guy has a constructive opinion that just happens to be negative towards the team, fine, I'll deal with it. But could you at least? cobble together some sort of like coherence point, if you, if you could maybe manage that. He's not even the type of guy who can make a compelling argument that would make me sit up and go like, you know, do you know what? I don't like what you're saying, but I appreciate where you're coming from. I think Celtic could possibly learn from your opinion, Chris Commons, but I don't, I don't think it, I'm ever going to come to that point. These sorts of things is just another reason why old media
1: is dying and you should definitely support your pals and new media <laughs> um, because you'll definitely yeah. get well thought out opinion at least 30% of the time, you're going to get well thought out opinion on this podcast. And that's a 10-minute plug for ourselves There, oh my only brought <laughs> up. <laughs> aye, aye. Yeah, Duke. <laughs> there you go. You thought we were talking about Chris Commons there. We were plugging the Patreon that whole time. <laughs> Look, the transfer window's coming to a close. I think it shuts on the 5th of October. That has absolutely flown in. Oh, um, and we'll need to do some sort of recap of Celtic's transfer business because we've low-key spent an absolute fortune on transfers. Yeah. Um, but there's still sort of rumblings about players coming and going Celtic are obviously looking at Alfie Doughty the the Charlton left back I don't think there's any any denying that Neil Lennon wants a new left back he said as much we're going to bring a new left back in I think the worry just now is that no one has quite left yet and the two names that are on the tip of everyone's tongue are Christopher Ayer and uh, Odson Edward I think Neil Lennon made some pretty interesting comments about Odson Edward midweek in the press but it's Ayer that's once again merely linked with AC Milan now I've heard on the grapevine that Celtic have told Ayer that if someone comes forward with 15 million cash no ifs, no buts no deals, nothing if they've got 15 million cash that's what it's going to take for Ayer to get the deal done feeling that he's he's going to remain a Celtic player when the window closes couple of couple of weeks left of the transfer window. do you think Ayer's going to be on the move?
2: Out of the sort of the sellable assets we've got he's the one that maybe I'd be least disappointed going. I think he's a decent player. I think he will go on to be a decent player. But if the rumblings are true and he wants to go, I think he can be replaced. We've mm-hmm. seen Julian's a good defender if you go out and spend the money. Shane Duffy's in now. If we get rid of Ayer, I think we can then go out and get a left-sided centre-back and it just mm-hmm. brings a lot more better balance to the team that would sort that out. And I think we are probably... I don't feel it, but maybe the board will that they need to sell a player to balance off sort of not getting in the Champions League and spend a lot of money and out the four big assets and Edward, Christie and Cham and Ayer. I think the one I'd be least disappointed with going is Ayer. But mm. we've heard rumblings that it's going to be AC Milana preparing a bid. I've never heard this of that teams are preparing
0: bids. You either bid <laughs> yeah. or you don't. Where does yeah. this come from? Overall, I th- I think I agree with that. I think if you accept that Celtic are likely to lose a player. Not every year, but every maybe couple of years we'll probably lose a big a big sale. Possibly exacerbated by the fact that we haven't qualified for the Champions League again. And, you know, the current situation, TM, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think we can all kind of broadly get on board with the fact that Celtic will sell players every so often. I, if it's going to be higher, then I, I think I'm mostly alright with it. The thing is, I think... Replacement is—I know—I say this every window, but replacement is going to be the absolute key here because we can't afford to lose quality. As many issues and problems we've had with Ayre over the seasons, where we know he's a flawed defender, but he is ultimately a good one and probably will get better. We can't afford to lose any type of quality in the team this season and not replace it. We just can't do it. So as long as Celtic are going to bring in a defender and we're not going to be messing about with as much as I. A rate near Beaton as a player, I don't think he's he's the answer. I don't think you can just sell Ayer and promote Beaton mm. into the team on a more regular basis. Shane Duffy is a great start to you know consolidating that defensively bit, but we simply must bring someone in. Ayer, I think will go on to be a very good player somewhere, but my feelings about him at the moment, I think he's had a couple of really good games recently, but I think I wish Christopher Iyer was like a video game character, but somebody <laughs> else, but somebody else was controlling him. If you know what I mean, like yeah. he has he has all the all the tools, all the abilities, but sometimes is a little bit unable to meld that all together to be the the finished article. I know he's still young, you know he's still young, but he's an experienced player. He's an experienced player now, a full international and all that jazz. So I think overall, wouldn't like to see him go because he is a good player, and yeah. I never want to see any good players leave the club. But if you're you know gunning my head, if it's going to be Ayer or Edward, there's absolutely no choice for me. That's I mean that's an easy decision.
1: The, the rumor mill milk's been on fire with talk of Jimmy McLean coming in. Melly James McLean. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stoke player. He, now, let's forget who the man is at the moment. Let's look at the player. Is that the sort of player that Celtic could use now Is that the sort of player that we're lacking? Could, he, I mean, he plays along that whole left-hand side. More attacking, admittedly, but can play up and down the whole left-hand side. Obviously, a Celtic fan. It, would that Never. be a wise move? Yeah, um, <laughs> would that be a wise move for Celtic to win and get him?
2: Yeah, look, I've been very vocal in the fact that Celtic they should do it just for the the sheer patter of it, the because path. it will be phenomenal. Mm. It will destroy them mentally. He will be living rent-free, imagine, if he plays or scores at I'm interested
1: to see interesting how, if, if fans come back, how Shane Duffy will get treated. Oh, lovely. Uh, Applause yeah, on yeah. every game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Can but, we have but no. poppy season? Can we have a
2: poppy <laughs> season, gentlemen? That'll be a good one. A oh, it's going to be a
1: poppy, Oh, my God, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, but is, is James McLean a sort of player Celtic need Newdmerely?
2: I think he is, he's played in that position before as you said he can fill in at left back but I think left wing back is the ideal position for him, the guy's got the engine he's got him down there, he's played in tournaments for Republic Island, he's played well and he's a, he's a workhorse he's a workhorse, a good engine but crucially he's got a good cross on him as well and that's mm. what we need we've got Frimpong down that right hand side who's got the pace, who's got the drive who gets in and out, and gets round players and can cut back sort of liken it to O'Neill's team I know it's a long time ago but down that right hand side you had the pace the gap, and down the left hand side you sort the guile and the technique of Thompson where he could just get out of his feet and whip it in quickly I think that'd be a really good balance to get somebody on the left hand side doing that and just the absolute bonus would be if it's James McLean
1: Stephen if James McLean comes in and plays that position though is there, is there space for more Elanusi I suppose Elanusi could play as a 10 or a shadow striker but looking at this current Celtic setup, would you be willing to say right well do you know what Elinoussi, you're just going to have to take your place in the bench for the time being because James McLean is more yeah. useful as a player to us than you are at the moment.
0: It's difficult for him. It's very, going to be very difficult for University to get into the team because, yes, he can probably pay, uh, play other positions. I wouldn't stick him at left wing back for, for anything. Like I don't think he's suited to that. So James McLean would most certainly uh, be first choice there should he come in. He'd say he plays number 10, but at whose expense uh, you, he could play as a shadow striker but I'd definitely rather have a Yeti in there and yeah. and alongside Edward either swapping places one just off the other I'd rather see that than have El Unussi in the team El say could do this but it, I'm just going off his current form and I'd, I can't really see a way back into the team for him for now but it's up to him it's up to him to, yeah. to justify any forced change of formation see if El Unussi is so good see if he impresses in the, the times he comes off the bench and he's so good that Neil Lennon and John Kennedy think do you know what I'm going to need to change the formation to get this guy in the team then that can only be a good thing we need mm. we need options of course but it's going to be difficult for him because players are starting to come into form and El finds himself a little bit on the outside looking in for now
2: These things will always settle down once the transfer window shuts and we get a sort of decent run at it uh, games wise when you think back to this time well, yeah, well this time last season, maybe a bit earlier before the transfer window shut, Celtic starting 11 was much different from the team that ended the season and you yeah, thought, yeah. oh that's it, because it's a long season, players will come in and out, players will hit form, players will come back, players will get injured. Now you know see, as we spoke about before, injured from December right up to coming back uh, after the... Extended break, so it's not as if he's uh, had a lot of football recently. So players will come in, come in, come in and out. The team that's starting right now isn't going to be the team for the full season.
0: James McLean, it's yes, I admired Melly's commitment to this pattern, and, to in the the he's pattern. Been, he, and in fairness, he's not he's not jumping on the bandwagon here. This he has, has been, been years. P- he's been campaigning for this <laughs> for years to get James <laughs> yeah. McLean to Celtic. His biggest supporter, you might you might say. i uh, only on one strip with James McLean, eleven in the back. Don't you, as a player, yes, I, I think I think he could be good. I know that you know, people kind of sneer at the Championship and all that down there, but we've had a lot of success from there before. A lot of Celtic's best signings over the last 10, 12 years have come from the Championship, notably like Gary Hooper. Mis- people forget Mr. Dembele was in the Championships. So was Patrick Roberts, you know, Joe Lett, et cetera, et cetera. There were so many signings, Griffiths, Commons. So we've had a lot of success from there before, so I wouldn't go writing it off. I know he is... A little bit away from the top-flight footballs that he's not really played there for for a while, but he's still still playing international football as, as far as I'm aware as well. So, um, I definitely wouldn't be against it. I think it would be a huge upgrade on Taylor in oh, terms wow. of his attacking ability. And as as cruel as this sounds to say, I think Greg Taylor is he's a bit of a wee guy at times, and I know mm. he can't really help that. He's he's small and he's slight of stature. He, there's not much he can do about that. He gets he gets bullied quite a lot. you give Greg Taylor credit. I know I've not really been the, his biggest fan, uh, his, his biggest cheerleader by any means, but he is getting forward and he is creating goals. But it just doesn't it just doesn't happen often enough. And there's an awful lot of giving the ball away. There's an awful lot of being pushed off the ball far too easily. I don't think you get that with James McLean. Given the choice of an Irish left sided midfielder slash kind of defender, I'd love Robbie Brady. Love Robbie Brady up the road at Celtic Park. But James McLean close second for me
1: there's no doubt i mean james mclean is quality he's been playing premier league football for a number of years now he dipped into the championship obviously but he's he's a good pedigree he knows what it's about and and you know with duffy and mclean these are things that i normally think like wouldn't it really matter in football you know if you're if you're a diehard celtic fan in any other season that doesn't really matter but honestly this season was so much at stake See having guys that knows what it means in the team, that could genuinely be the extra five or ten percent that gets you through in a game. Yeah. Not some guy that's going to come yeah. on loan and disappear back to whatever club he played for last season and no really care. He's no here for that. But guys like James McLean, Shane Duffy, Scott Brown, McGregor, Forrest, and even even Neil Lennon, even up to the manager, is as, as Dermot Desmond actually said recently in an interview that you know it's important to him that Neil Lennon is a true Celtic fan. True and true. As it was quoted in The Athletic, (laughs) which I can only assume, Stephen, that you pointed out as well, that they misinterpreted him saying he's a Celtic fan through and through. The Athletic wrote true and true. T-R-U-E, (laughs) T-R-U-E.
0: You know I like the small details when it comes to these (laughs) things, but that really got me. If people don't know what we're talking about, as Jamie said, he had a a rare interview in The Mm -hmm. Athletic uh, um, in the last few days there at Desmond where he he spoke about a a wide range of things, but he he did note that Neil Lennon is a Celtic fan, true and true. Now, I read that and I thought, that's that's not a saying. You don't say, oh, I'm a Celtic fan, true and true. But then I thought, they've heard him and his Irish accent saying through and through, haven't they? Yeah, he's a Celtic man, <laughs> true and true. And they've typed it up as through and through. I, I burst out laughing at that. But <laughs> Anyway, it was, a, it was a good interview. I'd advise people to go and check it out. But it does make that point. It does make the point about you know, people who who know, and we've scoffed at that before, we, we scoffed at the line of, you know, he knows the city and, and all that kind of stuff back in Shivergate, back in the Shivergate mm-hmm. era. But you are right, there, it's, there, there's the marginal gains thing. and I, I, I know it's not the be-all and end-all to be a Celtic fan, you know, knows the club, gets it, no, Celtic fan, true and true and all that. Right? It's, it's not the be-all and end-all, but if you have a good player, a very good player who's an upgrade on what you've got plus that, Plus that extra five yeah. percent, if the if he's willing to, you know, the, the big cliche run through brick walls and all that stuff, then that's that's when I don't turn my nose up at it. That's not when I roll my eyes about somebody going, "Oh, he's a, a Celtic man, he gets it and all that." Because th- where it is important is if you add that to an already good player, and that, I'm all for that. You telling me, you
1: telling me that it's no stunner time when Neil Lennon, Shane Duffy, and James McLean lift yeah. the, the 10 in a row. Oh, did, boy, did, I, Jesus Christ, aye. I, um, I will that was combust, a, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, that was actually quite a good interview for them. Demet Desmond. He made some interesting points about Celtic in Europe as well. Did you see that? Yeah,
0: yeah. He yeah. spoke about yeah, the psychological pretty, barrier. Yeah. yeah, the big big language he was using where he talked about it being a block in Europe and it can only be a, a psychological thing because it's not down to personnel or talent. And it's, it's a big thing to say in public that... Um, I know it's not quite the same as, remember when James Tavernier basically came out and threw him and his own team under the bus in his programme <laughs> notes by saying, we're all banks basically. It's not quite like that because Dermot Desmond isn't involved in a plain sense, but to come out and say that there's obviously something going wrong in the psychological aspect, and that's why we keep failing to qualify for the group stages of the Champions League, then it's, it's certainly worth listening to. I know Neil Lennon was on Sports Sound a couple of nights ago as well, talking about sports psychology. So it's obviously something that they're, they're starting to embrace in the club that, again, it's marginal gains, isn't it? See, if you've, if you've looked at everything else. Well, there is that. But if you've looked at everything else, and if we all agree, which I'm sure we, yeah, broadly we can, that Celtic shouldn't be losing, to a, a club like Ferenc Farros based on talent mm. or the personnel then it's worth looking at these things and if Celtic are doing that then as you say it's a wee, wee bit late for that but it's progress if we've, we're starting to induce things like that now uh, It's quite interesting because Neil Lennon he, he also was on an interview with an Irish
1: YouTube channel I've mentioned it before a wee while ago and he was talking about and specifically odd Edward that you know after the game nowadays players don't like to just be shouted at and told you made that mistake they want to see the analysis and why the mistake happened and how it happened and how they can fix it and he, he singled out odds edward for someone who doesn't particularly like criticism you know you just have to treat him well you have to treat him nicely be careful with him he, he doesn't he doesn't like a rollicking or a rocket and edward yeah. obviously has missed a couple of games for celtic this season he was benched at the weekend there but he did play for france and neil lennon was in the press saying that he's that Edwards struggled a bit. Now, I don't think he meant physically. I I just... That's not really what I picked up the interview. I could be wrong. He said he was away with France recently recently and played two ninety minutes with them. He's missed the previous three games for us before that and I spoke to him on Friday and he was struggling, so you have to look after the player. Hopefully, he'll be fresh for Thursday, which is a very important game for us. He's not causing any problems behind the scenes. He Mm. was honest enough to say he was struggling and I take his word on that. I just wonder... What that could possibly mean? It was. It doesn't seem to me like we're talking about a player here who's fatigued physically or has carrying a knock,
0: does it, Stephen? No, Neil uh, oh. Lennon has used the word fatigue when it comes to Odson Edward recently. When it came to ex- explaining why he wasn't in the team for a recent game, was that Livingston? I think it was when he, w- he was left out of the the starting lineup, but. I, again, I do look at the the language he's using there, and things like he's not causing any problems behind the scenes. That's quite an odd thing to say, Aye. because that's what I because we're not going to assume that unless you say something like that. We, I don't think any of us had it in our heads that oh, that Otsun Edwards a troublemaker, so he is. Uh, he's he's a he's a poisonous poisonous apple. <laughs> I don't if that's a term. I don't know a poisonous apple, a bad apple, um, a rotten egg behind the scenes. I don't. I, I wouldn't have thought that. So. It's a it's quite an alarming thing to say because I don't know, maybe things are afoot, maybe things are foot when it comes mm. to transfers and all that and he's uh. he's a little bit distracted, he's had his head turned a little bit. It, that would be natural because a player as good as Odson Edouard is going to attract attention. Whether we like it or not, we have to accept that. I dunno I don't know if there's been anything in all the recent stuff about Arsenal. According no, I, I, I I to Lennon knows any that, Lennon. No, was, no official I think, bids, no
1: interest yeah, that they're aware of.
0: That that's fine. But it wouldn't be the first time. In the last few months or so, where we heard potentially that Odson Edward was on the at the very least open to a transfer away from Celtic. So, I just hope that it's not what what Neil Lennon is saying there. Again, I can only go on what he said, and I can try and read between the lines a wee bit. I just hope it's not that he's he's head down a wee bit because he's starting to think I don't know. I've I've kind of done it here a wee bit. Aye, think, that's that's my worry. Yeah. My
1: worry there is that he's sort of he's struggling oh. to get
0: motivated and, and that sort of thing. Also, we can't forget that Neil Lennon very recently, after the Ferenc-Farrows game, talked specifically of players not wanting to be here and yeah. players having their, their eyes on the next move and so on. So I'm, I'm putting two and two together and coming up with well, 400 here, I know, but all these wee kind of clues are starting to fall into place a wee bit with Edward, and I just, I just hope it's not the case. Well, Neil Lennon says we're not looking to sell him, and Neil Lennon went on to say,
1: I'm hoping he's still a Celtic player by the end of the transfer window, Melly. Oof.
2: Yeah, I... I uh, tend to disagree with Stephen here. What I took from it was that Neil Lennon mentioned the thing about him not... was it, agitating for a move or not making any problems behind
1: the scenes because... Yeah, there was no reference it, to a move. He just says he's not causing any problems behind the scenes. He was honest enough to say he was struggling and I take his word on it.
2: Mm. Yeah, when he says about not making any problems behind the scenes, I think it's just because maybe people do what Stephen done put two and two together. Oh, St. edwards not starting. The, the transfer window is open. Mm. That means he must be away, whereas... Odson Edwards a young guy, he's had a start to the season where he's missed a couple of games, went away with his national under-21s, played two games. Maybe he feels he has to play in those games to push on to the senior team. Yeah. maybe what just wasn't he 100% when he'd done that he's came back played against St Mirren wasn't great missed a penalty and maybe it's just it's all had a wee effect on him because you forget the, the guy's only 22 years old and we rely on him so much these days he's the main player we've had him up front himself for so long and he's had to play every single game now we've got a Yeti we've got Klamala you know, say we've got options there. We don't need to play him every game like we've done in the past. So maybe it was just taking its toll a bit. Rest him up for that game. Didn't need to bring him on, and ideally can have a nice week leading up to a crucial week coming up again for
1: Celtic. You touched on uh, You touched on Edwards' penalty against St Mirren. Melee. it's Stephen. You'd previously complained about the run up. You'd, you'd <laughs> issued a warning sign on yeah. last week's podcast about these run ups. Um, it's one of these ones. If it goes in. It looks cooler than cool. I was ice cold. <laughs> but that yeah. that one just looked absolutely miserable. A chance to put the game to bed, Melly.
2: Yeah, it was a chance to put the game to bed. It was a it was a difficult match, a hard-fought one. We let in the early go, and then had to get ourselves back into the game, which we did well. But the penalty would have put a real seal on it. And 3-1, you finish that game 3-1, you maybe think, oh, well, that was pretty decent. But the fact that it was only 2-1, maybe the last 10 minutes are a wee bit hairy, it really... It, it really dampened the performance, well, it really dampened the result because the hmm. performance wasn't great at all, but no. we got we got the victory, and look, that obviously matters, but the performance within that wasn't great.
1: Steve, we started doing this podcast under Ronnie Dyla's stewardship as manager, and I'll, I'll remember one phrase that was like in the the, the Celtic um, lexicon. vernacular. Yeah. Lexicon is the word I was looking for, the Celtic fan lexicon at that time. The chat around Ronnie Dialer's Celtic team was, they'll kick on, they just need some time to kick on, or they'll kick on up again. Ge- when a big game comes up, they'll turn up for that game. Yeah. Or, oh, it's only the three points, that's all that matters. And that sort of chat was coming again after the set game. And I think it's fair to say there's there's some disquiet among the Celtic fans. Some of it, I think, is just overblown social media, yeah. bunk, yeah. bunk em, right, about the way, <laughs> the way Celtic word. are playing. Yeah. But there's no denying that, it's particularly in this game, the performance wasn't great.
0: No, it wasn't, and uh, I, I take on board everything you've just said there about the the, the dialer thing that we spent a long time saying you no, know, but if, if it clicks in a gear, we're going, and yeah. it never came right. The the point were, I suppose, we're trying to make here, not putting words in either of your your mouths here, because that would, that would just be an unpleasant image for for the last well, you put it in mouth. Oh. <laughs> Uh The point, I suppose, I am trying to make um, is that. I'm not suggesting for a single second it's going to go the same way as dialogue, where they're never going to click into gear, but I'm I'm talking specifically about this game and the reaction after it. Yes, that a lot of people are being very negative about the team just now. And then there's the other side of that where people just go, three points, all the matters, move on. Well, yes and no to that rate. Three points is undoubtedly the most important thing, but it's not the only important thing, if you know what I mean. Like I'll, yeah. How, how I would explain that is because you'd be daft to watch a game that doesn't go well, you get the three points and just say, right, that's fine, that's the chapter closed, they exist in a vacuum. It's perfectly logical to me to take what happened in that game as a potential indicator for what's going to come in the rest of the season because Celtic haven't really clicked into gear just now and watching that game you think, well, yes we're getting wins here, but what if the not not so much luck, but what if we don't get one soon? What if, you know, Then there was a Livingston game as well where they conceded a goal late on and it didn't look like Livingston were going to win the game, but they could have drawn it at the end. What if it happens where all of a sudden we just drop points because we're not getting the performance? I'm not saying we have to perform well in every single game out of arrogance or being spoiled. I'm not saying go out and win 5-0 every game. What I mean is performance is also important for these reasons that I'm just listing because it gives you an indicator of how Celtic are going to play going forward and hopefully get better results going forward. So that I'm just just kind of trying to tidy up a few of the the thoughts I was having after that game in amongst all the the negativity. As far as the negativity itself goes, I don't think people are being like willfully recreationally negative. I don't think people are really enjoying that. I think it's just tense at the moment. I think yeah, people yeah. It was always going to be the case this season. I think we, we sat down and we, we all kind of joked about it at the end of last season. I oh, imagine how tense it's going to be. Well, that's the reality. That's what we're in just now. And we need to kind of put up with it because people want the 10 in a row and whether they're expressing it in the right ways or not you know, is is entirely up to them. My personal opinion is that people aren't being negative. It's just that they're a bit on edge and... With everything we're experiencing just now, nobody's able to go to the game and vent their frustrations and yeah. get into the. Game. Oh, you're right. They, Actually, it's probably something yeah, in that. Yeah, they they feel probably feel certainly from my point of view, you can't be at the game, you can't influence it in that slight way you can by being like getting behind the team or, or, or even it's perfectly valid as well. Even moaning at the team when they're not playing well, you can't do that. So people are taking out their aggressions. Basically on each other and on the team, so I I wouldn't go giving anybody a hard time for being negative at the moment. I just think it's a, we're all very tense and we all we all just think it's going to be a long, very difficult season. I think we're it's kind of the byproduct of that.
2: Yeah, we're well, just touching on the the game. The, the first goal was a poor one to lose, and mm. that's maybe a wee bit of the the problem that's seeping in. Is. We're letting in soft goals right now. I mean, you think Duffy coming in, he may be, be strengthening the back line, but it was his man that sort of got away from him, and then Christie's not marking Erwin, but the goal's early on. But I quite like Celtic response to that, because we went in the goal down, it was early on again, but we went at them straight away, and getting that goal from Duffy, look, you see how much of a threat he is. Again, if you put decent balls in, which Christie delivered for him, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get goals. Pathetic defending from St Mirren, but that's what you want to see from yeah. Duffy. And the second goal as well was another smashing cross from Christy. Forrest gets in with a header unheard of, but he's in there. It's a smashing header as well. But My worry in that game was the goals they we got were from crosses. We weren't creating chances, we weren't mm-hmm. opening them up. There was nobody getting to the byline and cutting back or getting a cross in. Forrester and Taylor were really poor that night and this formation really relies on wing-backs, going at players, making things happen and getting balls across and we just simply didn't do it. That's why it was easy for some just to camp in there, sit in the bank of four, bank of five and just soak it up when Celtic, as we've seen with the Livingston game, look at that one we pass McGregor in behind for Greg Taylor on the cross. We
0: didn't do that once in the game. I mean, on what you've just said about the, the goals, I agree with you. I think Celtic were failing largely to create much. There was a moment, a really frustrating moment late on in the game, or in the second half anyway, where Scott Brown took a really advanced role, but he, he basically had his back to go on the edge of St Mirren's box and our defence was like bouncing off him like he was a wall. So they would pass it into Brown and he would lay it back out to Iyer. He'd back into Brown and he would put it back out to Duffy and it were not really getting anywhere. It was a lack of penetration. However, what I would say is that at least we can give Celtic credit for finding a Plan B, and it was yeah. two headers, two crosses, and two headers. Like that's mm. that's fine. That's a perfectly valid tactic. I don't. Again, I wouldn't like to rely on that going forward. But if it's it's a game of puzzle solving at the end of the day. If we can't get past Saint Mirren one way, we need to find another. And if it's lumping a ball into Shane Duffy for him to be completely unmarked mm. and for him to nod at home, perfectly fine with that as well. You now I said last week that Duffy decided to score uh, in the previous game. St Mirren kind of made, their, made his mind up for him in this case. He can't even be giving a guy like that the space he did. Yeah, uh, Nobody
1: attacks the ball with the aggression there of Shane Duffy that I've seen at Celtic for a long time. Yeah. You name somebody. I can't, I can't picture a player that attacks going the ball. Going
2: back to old days, wouldn't
1: you? Yeah, you're mm, definitely yeah. going back to... The aggression in which that guy shows in, it's great to have a player with that much confidence. Another thing I think Duffy's brought to the game is it's given Ayer the security to press forward. Yeah. Oh, Ayer's yeah. really coming out of his shell. It's quite interesting. One of the things that Blair picked up on, the scout that we hired to do scouting for, is he definitely, you know, he picked that up. He says, you know, Shane Duffy and Christopher Ayers probably going to be a terrific combination for you. And it's already starting to look, starting to look like that. Um, Patrick Klamala started the game Melly you said beforehand if he doesn't do it you know this was on the preview show that we do on Patreon you says if Patrick Klamala doesn't do it against St Mirren then perhaps his time is up for Celtic at Celtic do you think that Patrick Kamala done anything from that game do you think there's still question marks over him the way I see it he's obviously shown something in training because he's getting rewarded with game time and yeah. that's the way Neil Lennon works if you do it in training and you work hard and you do what the manager tells you you get rewarded with game time that's the transactional way that Neil Lennon manages his, his squad so Clamara's obviously impressing him we've said before he looks a guy that's a bit short of confidence but how far do you push that how much game time do you, do you give a guy Mealy, when it shows that he's maybe just not got it
2: yeah as you said I thought just before look I don't want to completely write the guy off but I've I've seen I've seen him first hand in a reserve game i seen him against Clyde and I wasn't impressed at all so I thought look this game he's done everything right up to this point and in getting into the team spoke about a ball before about bulking up over the summer and all that but if he's not going to do it away from home against St Mirren, when, when can we expect him to do it? Now, I know he would, didn't get a lot of great service, but neither did Odson Edward, but he sort of tried to make things happen. Mm, but yeah. Klamala, I can barely remember him making any significant impact in the game, getting the ball and laying it out. I'm just just don't see where it's coming from him can he just be a guy that you bring on with my 3-0 up and hope he gets a goal to spur on his confidence because at one point we're going to need to rely on him and already that point's happened and he didn't even get on the pitch against Ferenc Varos so I thought for St Mirren here's your chance mate you're up front with a good strike partner in this formation you'll try and make it work for yourself and he didn't he didn't get the service but he didn't make it happen for himself either and that's what I was worried about and then you just go to the Livingston game I he had some great hold up play Klamala has nothing like that, nothing like that, and I'm just worried that he's never going to get it.
0: Oi, Melly, though, I hear the listeners say, it's only one game, and to those people I would say, leave Melly alone, but <laughs> what I would also say is, <laughs> what I would also say is, that's what he's got to do, though, that's football, mm-hmm. that's, that's Celtic, that's Celtic, he's got to come he's in, in and impress. It might sound terribly harsh, but it's exactly what I've just said about El who's a far more storied, a far more you know established international player international repute player than Klamal I've just said the same thing about him earlier on I said if you come in you've got to do something in order to change Neil Lennon's mind in, in order to convince Neil Lennon and John Kennedy that you're worth playing might sound harsh to judge him on one game but that's all he's going to get he's got to come in and do something and he, he unfortunately just didn't on this occasion it's that time of the year For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan
2: today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: So, the the St. Manning game, it was pretty perfunctory. And Celtic really need to improve on performances like that. Um, and, and there's things that Celtic need to look at but there was encouraging moments you know McGregor showed signs Christie was pretty good James Forrest got himself a goal after being much maligned for the for the past couple of weeks Duffy again showing how he fits into the team and as we might want to look at you know, Scott Brown's role is definitely evolving in the Celtic team and and having him at the back is maybe letting players like Ayer and especially Ryan Christie get a wee bit more f- further forward
2: yeah you're, you're right there I think we've all had our city on Scott Brown but we've seen at the weekend uh, just maybe why he's in the team because he he's sitting there, which ahead of him was McGregor and then Cham. McGregor was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You'd yeah. love to see him going forward. He obviously gets the goal. He's a slide pass in for Greg Taylor for the second goal, and also in Cham, he was away. He that was him his good work for the third goal. So maybe we can see why Celtic have got Scott Brown sitting there, and then two ahead of him that allows them to go on. Maybe we've—I've said it in the past that I think McGregor could play there, but after that of the weekend, I feel that like, oh, maybe you're taking away a lot from his game yeah. by having him so so deep. But I still believe he could play there. I believe in Sham could play there, but it was good uh, good against Livingston there was a lot to a lot to divulge there?
0: yeah well Livingston was a, a much improved performance it wasn't perfect yeah. again I think a, a lot of people were, were a wee bit down on it again after the game um, but I think it was much better I think there were many more positives to be taken from this game than the St Mirren game because let's not forget Livingston are a difficult team to play against that's their thing that's their identity yeah, yeah. that's what they thrive on that's the, the identity that they revel in they like to make it tough for teams especially Celtic and they like to make the game as ugly as possible try and grind things down and they've been successful with it in the past they've squeezed several draws at Celtic since they've been back in the top flight I think Celtic have only beaten them twice since 2018 was that so um and even w- one of those draws was snatching it from a, a defeat at rate of the death from Tom Rogic so Credit for, to Celtic for being able to overcome something of a, a bit of a bogey team um, that Livingston have been in the last couple of years. The midfield, we're talking about Scott Brown, we're talking about Cal McGregor in and, and Cham. I thought the midfield was much better in terms of yeah. indi- individual performance. I thought Cal McGregor was excellent, that he was absolutely brilliant. Christie, much better as well, and Cham, superb. Scott Brown is providing that platform on which people... You know, can develop on to go forward. My one slight issue with it just now is that Celtic lack a little bit of disciplined midfield shape at times without the ball. Yeah. So the central midfield, if you look at things like if if you care about things like the average positions after a game, and and I can th- I think they're quite interesting because you can gather uh, some information on shape from it. Central midfield doesn't really exist because Scott Brown. Is very deep. El Hamid is very wide on the right. He filled in as a sort of supplementary right back rather than a right-centered right-sided centre back because Frimpong is so far forward. Scott Brown is so deep that he's almost in line with Ayer. So with that, the midfield is quite easily cut through with one or one or two passes. We're quite an open midfield. So Scott Brown is providing. The opportunity for players to get forward, but what Celtic I think need to tighten up on is the defensive side of things slightly, yeah. and that can, that can be worked on. So I think Scott Brown, as much as I'm not going to sit here and do the thing we've been doing for weeks about how you know it should be, and in fairness Neil Lennon has come out and said as much now that he's going to yeah. have to be managed and not been in the been in the team so much. I think Scott Brown has to do his defensive job slightly better than he currently is. And that's really kind of all I've got to say on the midfield at the moment. If Neil Lennon is now looking at it and thinking, well, he can't play every game, then that's fine. I, I fully support that. It's just that he's he's lacking a little bit of defensive discipline and awareness at times. There was a point in the Livingston game where I thought he probably could have been taken off because he had become a bit of a defensive Liability seems like a strong word, but I think he was towards the end because being thirty-five, he's going to tire dealing with an intense game, which which we were. So I think he could have been taken off before long. But overall, I was I was actually pretty happy with the Livingston performance. I thought, as I said, the the, the midfielders that I've listed were absolutely excellent. Ayete, oh. what I've said what I've oh. said about him recently. Doesn't he need to ask twice to stick the ball <laughs> in the back of the net? Even when he's not like oh, I thought you were massively going to say there, I, thought you were going to say <laughs> I really sh- I missed it and that there. Abbi Enegetti, what you mean? I'll be on the score sheet, Am I right? Oh. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> oh, rotten!
1: Absolutely terrible. Like, even when yes, he's, it's he's
0: not like, ma- <laughs> even he's not massively involved, he still he still scores and he still holds the ball up extremely well. He's offside quite a lot, Abbi Enegetti, but that's a gamble. I'm willing to deal with. Like if he's offside on three or four occasions because he's one of those guys who plays on the very edge on the off chance that he's going to get through and get a chance, then that's... Yeah, I'm that's totally where he belongs. That. Yeah, that's exactly. where he
1: belongs. That's his house. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the penalty shoot, though. Let's talk about Celtic's penalty shoot. Hmm. Celtic went on the pitch. There was a penalty shoot for us. Livingston they went up the pitch and there's a penalty shout for them they got those I think those two incidents were almost identical
0: one key difference for me in the the Livingston handball was a a secondary incident what, what I mean by that is it came off the player and then onto his hand on the way down whereas Ayers on the other end was a full on handball very very similar but that's the only the only slight but important difference that the important distinction to be made I, I can understand the difference in the decision making with them, if you know what I mean. Like, to yeah. the letter of the law, to me, if you're going to give a handball because it hits a guy's hand, regardless of circumstances, then they are both penalties. Yeah. But that's the only mitigating circumstance I would point to, I suppose, in this occasion.
1: I, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought our penalty shout was if you what I'm more concerned about, though, is how they ended up getting the penalty. The ball comes in and Ayer doesn't win the header in the first instance. Scott yeah. Brown, the ball bobbles out. Scott Brown, does not get his interception? Mm. I think it was maybe Marvin Bartley that then played the ball forward, and Ayers just caught out of position. So he's having to run back into position, slide to stop the cross, and it hits off his arm. I thought it was really, really unfair. It's one of these ones where, when you're sliding like that, you're not in full control of your body. So where, where do you put your hand? Your hand has to be places to balance yourself off. You can't like slide like you're putting your hands by your side like being a pencil, (laughs) like jumping into the pool. Do you know what I mean? Like your hands have to be somewhere. Are you um, citing
0: uh, biomechanics here?
1: I'm uh, citing James biomechanics. <laughs> didn't bring
2: it up at half-time. I was disappointed in him. <laughs> He's,
1: He's really probably been well-warned off it. And then up, set, up steps that we that hun, Jason oh, Holt. Uh,
0: Gers, former Jazz ace, Jason <laughs> Holt, <laughs> to stick in the back of the net. On the penalty itself, a final thing on that, I suppose playing Dick Advocate here, playing Devil's Advocate, what I would say is that Ayer's intention there is to block the ball, and he did, but he used his hand. Deliberately <laughs> or not, if, do you know what I mean? It's like, he set about his goal in blocking the ball, but he just happened to use a, an illegal body part. So, isn't stream. he good then? Yeah. Um, are, you, are you trying to defend Ayer on this one? Or are you criticising no, him? No, no, that's oh, right, no. right. I'm saying it is a penalty because what ah, he tried right, to do... I see what you mean. I thought,
1: I thought this was some sort of terrible mounted defence <laughs> of, no, so, no, so, uh, of Christopher Ayer.
0: No, some mealy-mouthed defence of Christopher Ayer. No, no. I think... There was a, a lot of shouts. I think it's just become a, a kind of catchphrase that's got on the the fact that he went to ground on that occasion and handballed it as a result. But yeah, I think on that occasion you have to go to yeah. ground because you have to stop that cross. Unfortunately, it hit well, his hand. this is
1: where you, this is where an analyst might wind the tape back though and go, "But no, yeah. why did you have to go to ground? Well, yeah. you went to but ground because you it. missed your header and then you were ball watching because what happened was." I can't remember the player, but Ayer failed to win the header off of him and the boys stand in front of Ayer. The ball goes ahead and all he does is just walk around behind Ayer where he's got loads of space between the Celtic goal and there's no Ayer and and then Marvin Bartley just plays a simple wee knock over the top and cause Ayer miles off base. I think that's where they would look at it. But when it
0: gets to that point, he can't then go well I should have made the, the decision previously, correct? I can't yeah. do anything. Ah, you can't you no, can't, he, he can't he do has a tenant. To go for it. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> can't do a
1: tenant and reverse back and uh, take yeah. the ball off that boy. You think he the barker should have saved it. it? No, 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 no I, I think, think
0: yeah, I think he smashed it in basically. I think that's that's what you do with a penalty, Odson.
1: Yeah. Oh, I take, you, you tell, uh, Jason Holt you tell Nodson <laughs> Edwards to take penalty lessons off Jason Study Holt. Study the
0: tape. Study the tape of Jason Holt in your spare time, Odson. We got
1: to go back you know, within a couple of minutes, and again it was Christopher Iyer pressing pressing out of defence again with Scott Brown and, and Shane Duffy and they're offering plenty of cover allowing it to do that. Plays it directly to Ayeti's feet who more or less plays it off of, It uh, plays in Callum McGregor with an absolutely terrific shot. Don't care that it took a deflection. It's I'll take them all, but it was a rasper.
2: Yeah, it was a peach. It was net bound anyway, I'd say. It was good build-up play. That's As you said, that's what we've seen from Ira, sort of a tone freeze earlier mistake. and You can see that this is what he brings to the team when there's a back free. He can press right in there. Scott Brown can just slide across. It was good play, good play, and it was good to get the goal so quickly after they'd scored because maybe, as Stephen talked about, there is a bit of tension, but in the whole game, Livingston didn't create many chances and Celtic mm. were pretty dominant. I thought much better. And just that goal, as soon as Celtic scored that, you go, right, that's it we're onto one here, we'll go at them and they'll crumble because Celtic, I thought they'd started pretty well in the game. They didn't maybe create a great chance or two but we were playing the ball quickly across from side to side trying to get in and I think Frimpong made the big difference down the right hand side because he is so direct and he's willing to take players on something maybe Forrest is lacking right now
1: That quickness is the key that is the key to the way Celtic want to play I'm not talking about the speed of Frimpong I'm going to talk about Frimpong in a sec but that quickness of movement moving the ball forward quickly moving yourself out of position or into position quickly that is the key to the way that Neil Lennon wants to play and that's the key to the way this system needs to work if you're Gary Holt you're looking at your right back there the right back did the right thing by putting his hands behind his back so he didn't concede a penalty but he also turned himself side on to Ah, make himself as small as possible
0: (laughs) so you need to take that right in the coupon Um, Frimpong needs to play every week doesn't he Stephen? Oh 100% if we're going to if we're going to stick with this formation this system Frimpong is as close to a first name in the team sheet as he can possibly get because he's Quite simply, it's not particularly insightful for me, but he's the best option for the position. I know James Forrest is a good player and all that, but as far as being a right wing-back goes, Frimpong's got him in almost every department. He's, he's a yeah. far better option for that that role. The only thing that Frimpong doesn't offer on that side, in that particular role, and again, I would say that being a right winger and being a right wing-back and being a right-back are all different positions. that They're not as interchangeable as people might suggest. I don't think he's he doesn't carry the goal threat that James Forrest does. And uh, Scott Brown has joked in the past about how terrible he is at shooting, Jeremy Frumpong. And if Scott Brown is, is slagging <laughs> you for that, goodness me. But uh, other than that, other than the goal threat, he is as close to as ideal a player as Celtic are going to have for that position. He, he has to play if it's going to be a 3-5-2.
1: I really like the overload we get on the right-hand side when Elhamid's playing, because Elhamid's got great feet as well. So, see when yeah. someone comes out to meet Elhamid, he's got a touch or a turn. He's really, really good. He's got quick feet, and he's great at playing me from us through, Melly.
2: Yeah, you're right. He's just, he's sort of ideal for that right-hand side of the back three. That's why, when we spoke about Ayer recently, if we have Elhamid there... Maybe Ayer, see if we had somebody like the equivalent of El Hamid just left-footed that's able to run out. Ayer's really good at it, but he's so right-footed it maybe maybe hinders that. But El Hamid, not so great against St Mirren, a lot of loose passes. Oh, thinking. But <laughs> back, was... at, back at it again at the weekend, I thought he was really good. And he got yeah. forward as well. And the and the introduction of Duffy allows him to do that as well. He's, he's not scared to get forward because he has a centre-half and a right-back and Frimpong as I spoke about Ella, he's ideal for that that right wing back. You need that. You need somebody that's going to be willing to take guys on, get past them, use their pace. And he'd done, he done it time and time again during the game. He was great. He's great to watch as well. And I felt towards the end of the game, when we made the substitutions and Forrest came on, we really lost something from the game when his pace was taken out of
1: it. You know, Greg Taylor's came in for a lot of stick. I think he completed two, two crosses in the whole game, which was actually more than anyone else completed... Um, and and we've sort of mentioned it earlier on in the podcast that we don't think he's particularly good enough. And what I find with Greg Taylor's perhaps lacking ability and and, and Callum McGregor being as good and as an experienced player as he is, Callum McGregor spends a lot of time out in that left hand side offering an option to Greg Taylor yeah. because he knows Greg Taylor yeah. needs it. But but that's exactly how Celtic's second goal came about. But McGregor's ball through for Greg Taylor for the cross was absolutely perfect, Melly.
2: Yeah, it was a great slide ball through. And see be Taylor, it was a great run as well. He checked yeah. in and then he just went right behind the guy, just on his blind side. And yeah. McGregor's slide ball through is brilliant. As well, when the ball goes across the... Livingston player is claiming for offside and that's how that split second where he puts his arm up and delays, allows Christie to get ahead and just get in in front of him. When I first seen the goal, I just instantly thought, oh, that's a yeti because it was a striker's goal, striker's instinct to be in there at the front post. But it was Christie and because he was playing up front in that game, I thought he did pretty well considering he's a lot better up there when he's got a partner beside him. But as you said, McGregor and Taylor, brilliant. But there's just a few instances in the game where Taylor got into that position he didn't look up before he played the ball. It's just sort of mm. hopeful balls. That's something that he really needs to work on. He can't just be hopefully putting it across because eight times out of 10, probably there's going to be a Celtic player looking for the cutback or there's going, there is going to be an option, but he's just not picking that out right now. Let's talk about the pick of the goals. I'll, oh, be, in yes.
1: a, I'll be in a Yeti. A Cham, somebody, I think Cham was played in, but he, and Cham does that really, really good thing where he, he looks over his shoulder as if he's going to take a touch but just lets the ball run across his body yeah, and then good. he sort of, he presses into midfield on. with it. Gives the ball to Ryan Christie, who I thought was excellent on the day as well. Ryan Christie yeah. with a beautiful weighted ball through and Albion Ayeti doesn't even blink, man. This is in the back of, This is in the back of the net before the keeper knows what's happening. Tremendous finish. Cadet-like, that was
0: cadet-like, that oh, finish. Hmm. Well, you don't save those. And as I said earlier, uh, Ayete doesn't need to ask twice. He's just going to stick that in the back of the net before anyone has... Uh, has any chance to react to it brilliant from Christie, as you say because it was crucial that he got the ball out of his feet as quickly as he did to send Ayeti through he took he received the pass and moved it on immediately in a sort of two-touch motion and and put Ayeti through such was the quality of the ball Ayeti being the quality of finisher that he is he knows he's as good as scored because the keeper comes out commits himself and Ayeti just has to pick his spot Picked his spot at right in the, the top bin from from 18 yards, right enough. But uh, what was that? Four goals he's got so far. Four, four goals, goals in five games.
1: Him and they're both sitting on four and five games. The two top scorers in the league, I know. Uh, Ryan Kent and Nisbet have get four goals as well, yeah. but they've played many more games.
2: It's just so instinctive, isn't he? It's just mm. he's there in the position, and it's it's. He's just that good that I don't even think he, th- he, he even thinks about it. It doesn't, f- doesn't go through his head that keeper's coming out I'll just lift it round him and pass them. I think it's just bang, go. Yeah. And that's him. He doesn't have to think about it. And that's what you want from your striker. You don't want somebody that's going to second-guess themselves like like Klamala when he went through recently that one-on-one where he never looked like scoring against Motherwell, was it? He just never looked like scoring and didn't know what he was going to do. He was a yeti. I wouldn't have any trouble with him going through on that. And I just think if he misses he'll get the next one, yeah. because he's just so instinctive, he just likes finishing first time, and he's getting, he's starting to build up that match fitness as well, so he got what, 75 minutes there at the weekend, yeah. so once we get him flying oh!
0: Well what links his goals so far, bar one is that they were all first time finishes they are all first touch, apart from one where it was as good as, he took one touch to get it out from under his feet and then just smashed it in anyway so there's zero hesitation on any of his goals again, he doesn't Again, I don't want to be unfair in Klamala, but I just use it as the, the comparison. Klamala takes his time, often too much time, and and loses chances. Ayeti it's confidence, is the, isn't it? Yeah, that's um, all it is. With Ayeti Klamala. is the mirror opposite. And he quality. just smashes them all in without even but, thinking about yeah, it. And, and quality, <laughs> well, yeah, and
1: obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about finishes, we need to give some credit to Julian Serrano. He went oh. ham on that there, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah hey hey, come to me come to me for your puns (laughs) he went ham on that didn't he i want to know how how his career trajectory took him from monaco as john collins would say to livingston um but it was an absolute stormer
2: yes it's it's just one of those goals we think there's not a lot you can do about it i've watched it back again and it sort of bounced off it's a good one two in midfield and then he just gets out his feet and smashes it i think that goal wasn't the first one was avoidable as we spoke about with the IR thing Scott Brown gets the wrong side when he goes to tackle and all that sort of thing but with this one you just need to hold your hands up sometime I think I know every goal is avoidable but that was an absolute rasper and taking that goal away and know it's a bit silly but taking the goal out there was nothing in that game that suggested Livingston were ever getting back into that game when it was 3 1 to Celtic. If yeah. anything, Celtic were pressing on trying to get more goals. We made the substitutions as well. And it just I just felt look 3-1 fine, but hopefully we can get a fourth goal. Just when that goal goes in, it's maybe a wee bit of a worry, but I just don't ever feel like Livingston were ever getting in out of the game. That's just that absolute screamer of a goal just maybe put a wee bit of doubt in. And when you look over the whole performance, Celtic were really good and it's a penalty and a screamer it's not as if the carved is open they yeah. created many more chances
1: I, I know I watched in the Pass to Paradise but see when they were talking about how like a nervy last couple of minutes for Celtic and all that I thought to myself I don't see this at all I nah, didn't think this chance,
2: was a- one chance with the header didn't they That's right, yeah. that- I didn't
1: think it was nervy for Celtic you know as you see every goal is avoid- avoidable I had we watched it again and I suppose if you wanted to offer some criticism you could criticise Forest for maybe you no know, closing his guy down. Hmm. Scott Brown, again, is running into a useless space instead of Martin the guy. Um, there was a lot of criticism directed that I thought was quite funny. There was a lot of criticism directed at Barkas for no really? saving it. Because I think when you watch it from a certain angle, it looks as though it's headed directly into Barkas's palms. But the problem you have there is I think the ball was going in one direction for about 20 yards and then four yards from Barkas's goal, it just <laughs> swings entirely out of his control. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. he could
0: have done about that. I mean, very few keepers are going to are gonna save that ultimately it's a very difficult and sometimes it's just a belter of a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as if it was a Kepa when you think money. But... Keeper, goodness me. The world's most expensive goalkeeper of all time. Oh, I'm starting to feel you. sorry
2: for him, man. <laughs> I do feel sorry for him. It's horrible watching
1: that. A man of the match performance in that game well deserved by Callum McGregor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was...
0: There was competition for it, but I'll, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to argue against it. Could have been Christie. Could have been... I mean, it could have been possibly in Jam. Well, yeah, yeah But that's what you want. You want people arguing over the, the man of the match, but McGregor took it and I've got no arguments against that because he is my... My pick for player of the year. Oh, oh that's about time he turned it on. Isn't... He obviously listened. It's probably what spurred him on. <laughs> and speaking of people who must have been listening last week to our podcast, Duffy and Forrest both on the score sheet after no. I dared, I dared Duffy to outscore Forrest, so he took the mantle, stepped up to the plate and scored, and Forrest not to be outdone goes and gets himself back level. Well. They're, I know they're both on two anything Duffy can do Forrest can do well not quite <laughs> good but he uh, did it anyway so yeah that, that competition is really hot not both on I two that's goals a good, and... I think
1: really that's a good sh- that's a terrific <laughs> shout you know who's going to get more goals this season Duffy or James Forrest I feel sorry for James Forrest pitting him against a central defender but you know them's the breaks yeah. nice um, to see uh, Forrest coming on alongside his brother as well that was oh that's I right oh, yeah. that was of course Celtic's opportunity to play some games in hand that they had because of well I can't remember why and um, go top of the league for at least a couple of hours provided Rangers didn't drop points and that's exactly what they've done the Huns blinked once or twice I don't really know what the <laughs> what the w- how he measures it um, a lot of people had eyes on that game for Rangers away and yeah. uh, it's just it just gives you a warm feeling all over it doesn't <laughs> yeah, it because does. Stephen Gerrard can't help himself he was in the immediately after the game he's moaning about Ryan Porteous being unprofessional or unsportsmanlike or something like that it was, and that's when you know it's getting to
2: yeah i think like a few weeks ago we were sitting here going we could be 11 points behind rangers before we next play now we're what a point behind my game in hand it shows how quickly yeah. things can change yeah. and look rangers after the record-breaking start to the season well well they're not far ahead of us they've not Spud the headers and goals. We have let in a couple of silly ones, but we have clawed back that gap and we have yet to hit a stride. Once we are settled in getting into these gate, this run of games now, I think Celtics' in performances will start to improve and if we're getting results without well, the performances now, we can improve on that. But Rangers, I think they have had a harder start to the season fixture-wise. They've played Aberdeen away, Hibs away, Livingston away, but in two of the games I expected them to drop points in they've done that already Mm, so it's look this record breaking starts maybe not as good and if Celtic do hit their stride in the next couple of weeks and then before we play them it's going to
1: get very interesting boys here's what I want to say for Celtic Stephen I think that a lot of our performances have been a result of having better players um, hmm. better players have carried us through rather than the better system and, and looking well coached and some of the performances and the coach are on show specifically against likes of worried me a wee bit yeah. um, I, I've watched Rangers this season Th- they're not a good team in fact I think it may be the opposite for Rangers I think they rely an awful lot on Ryan Kent they rely like, on yeah. him an awful lot but they, they look pretty well organised so I think what they are is a team with less good players who are perhaps better organised and that's helping carry them through the games, whereas we're a team with much better players who are perhaps slightly less organised, not than Rangers. I'm not comparing us to Rangers in that. Half. I'm just saying that's how well, I think our games are playing out.
0: If you will, um, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be out of order in saying that. I think we can take from the early part of the season that Rangers, you know, they have conceded fewer goals. That, that's the first goals they've conceded all season. So I don't think you're being outrageous to say that they've they have had a decent bit of organisation in the early part of the season. However, the the iron curtain has now fallen. They yeah, yes. have conceded goals and I've, I fully expect the, the floodgates to open. Before we wrap up, I think it's only right that we draw the winner of the gold badge for the
1: best review. If you've been following us, we're trying to get um, reviews on iTunes and Podcast Addict. It really helps us out a lot. It takes literally two seconds on your phone to leave us a review. So the best, funniest, our favourite review of the week. Leave a five star review. Leave your Twitter name so we can contact you.
0: Yes. What was this week's winner? Okay, I like this one this week. Nick Hooper 67 says, the toast and cheese of podcasts. Comfort listening from boys in the know. Nick Hooper 67. So that's a Nick, nice one. There we one. go. Nick a wins. Little, Nick a wins. Little I'll little tell hug. you what, yeah. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to
1: cut it off right here because I don't want to enter in that tired old toasted cheese, roasted cheese, toast and cheese, oh, toast on cheese debate. He wins
0: because he didn't say roasted cheese actually. He called it toast you and go. cheese like, a,
1: like you a, have, a... You would have fucked it for yourself if you said roasted (laughs) cheese right and on that bombshell we shall end I just want to say thank you very much to everyone who listens and leaves us reviews and especially subscribes on Patreon it's enormously welcoming and we really appreciate it Stephen would you like to sign off with something quick and witty
0: Yes, yeah, so not so quick, but what I was going to say I was going to thank mm. everyone for donating to the our appeal last week, where we put out the tweet for the oh, yes. Alzheimer's fundraiser that we're we're trying to help out with. So today is World Alzheimer's Day, folks. So I'm on your case again. If you could please donate to that, we'll tweet out the details. We're running a wee competition for it as well for a signed copy of Chris Sutton's book but it's not about the competition it's about supporting an important cause so again we'll put it out on the, on the social medias if you could please get involved with that thank you neither quick nor witty Melly would you like to have a go
2: <laughs> cheers for your ears, folks and just lastly before we go a happy birthday to Stephen Who will be celebrating his birthday Tomorrow Tuesday as you listen Oh
1: there you go I'm so glad Thank you, you reminded me now. to text him Melly thanks yes, very much thanks. I'll text him in the morning It's <laughs> really
2: nice when you're sitting Doing a podcast with your mates And they remember it's your birthday That's really nice isn't
0: it <laughs> When is your birthday? <laughs> Next year? <laughs> uh, I guess Still 30s by still, still 30s <laughs> oh, <my fairies. laughs>
1: Thanks for listening